welcome to the Seeds Church Podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe to us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and on our Apple and Spotify podcasts. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message from our Sunday service. Well, thank you, worship team. And uh, it's beautiful to, to sit at the front. You know, the, the front r- seats aren't poisoned. Just put, point that out, you know. Um, That's good. That's good. That's better than a drum beat, isn't it? Um, but it's, but it's, uh, it's a privilege, you know, to sit. I, I sit on that side so that I don't block the camera. I used to sit here and then I, because being six foot four, you block the camera. But I sit over there and there, there's a moment often in our worship services where the, the band pulls back a little bit and you guys don't, and you lift up, and I get that sort of segue between, between the worship team and, and God's choir, really. It's, it's a beautiful thing. So if you ever get the chance to, to sit in the front row, I encourage you to do it, because it, it, every now and again, it's, it's like a holy moment sitting there, and it's, it's, like a, it's almost like a little foretaste of heaven, what it's going to be like. So I encourage you. I remember uh, one Christmas day some years ago giving our kids a trampoline and I'd actually, uh, we bought it a week or so, 10 days earlier and hidden it in the shed uh, and it was still in its box because I couldn't figure out how to hide a full-blown trampoline in the backyard the day before Christmas. I don't know if you've ever tried to put something together with four excited sugar-loaded kids running around at your feet, helping you with all the bits and pieces as you figured out, uh, you know, I, I don't know, what is, is it just me? I, I know I've got glasses, but is, is it like, is the, are the instructions actually getting smaller on little bits of paper? <laughs> and, you know, have you ever put a trampoline together? You know, 10,000 springs you're trying to, like, put in together, uh, all hooked up into the right place in the right sequence. The box did warn me that there was some assembly required and they were not kidding. Like, I I think, I think those words, some assembly required, are a threat to every parent. Really, they are, they're like haunting, are they? They're like, I dare you to put this together, you know. It's, It's really a little bit like life, I mean... Let's be honest, our our lives still have some assembly required yet, don't they? Truly, all of us. No one has it all together, no one has arrived. We we are all learning, literally, until God calls us home and we hear the heavenly choir. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be hearing from a broad range of people as we look at parts of our lives, just a few that need further assembly. Today, of course, I'm talking about finances, and you are brave coming today as I talk about finances. Um, uh, Not not how to get rich, not not how to increase your wealth, um, but how we as people of faith use and live with the substantial resources that God has placed at our disposal. So let me pray. Lord, we ask, in the context of our world in our lives and the resources that we have that you would speak into them 
that you would open us up to hearing and to thinking new things. Maybe old things, but hearing them in new ways, in ways which have a resonance for 2024. And that lead us into good places where our lives are far more together than what they were at the start of this year. We ask this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. And so over the last couple of years, I have been learning a lot about sheep. And I fully admit that I I absolutely have my L plates on when it comes to uh, learning about sheep. I'm blessed to have quite a few on my property and um, to benefit from them. And I've I've learnt that sheep are very funny creatures. They can be really friendly and playful, wonderfully so. And in the same moment, as stubborn as anything. The, the most frustrating thing about sheep, and there are many frustrating things about sheep, it's a good thing they taste so good. That's all I can say about <laughs> sheep. Like, they would be extinct if they didn't taste so good. The most frustrating thing I find about sheep is their inability to cooperate. Their their absolute inability to do what you ask them to do. I mean, in raising sheep, I I am doing what's best for them. It's in my best interest, isn't it, really, as the the farmer, to, to raise sheep that are healthy and well. I'm going to look after them, I feed them, I care for them, all those good things. Do you think they share that same appreciation? They do not. In fact, when I say left, they go right. It is in my best interest to help my sheep grow and be healthy, but sometimes they do all they can to interrupt my plans and resist my best intentions directed towards them. Let me give you an example. The other day, fortunately, this was after Christmas. For several reasons. One is that I would have held each and every one of them personally responsible for ruining my Christmas. Let me tell you, that was that, they were that bad. I was running lambs into my driveway. And if, you, if anybody's ever moved lambs, it's like this. You go into a room and you turn the light on where there's cockroaches and they just go everywhere. Okay, that's, that's what it's like with lambs. Now, I have a long driveway and a section is about a couple hundred metres with, with quite a nice bit of grass each side. They've come off, no, virtually no grass, and I was moving them on to what I thought was in their best interest. Nice green, juicy grass, lots of weeds, flesh, fresh blackberry shoots. I love blackberry shoots. Uh, now, to be fair, moving lambs is really like trying to organise cats, herd cats, or figure out who's coming where and bringing what for Christmas dinner in your family, if you get a sense of what I'm talking about. Um, so it was always going to be hard But it didn't have to be that hard. Like, like lose your sanctification hard. Like, like seriously over the top hard. Now, even my dog, who knows how to work sheep and who loves and lives to work sheep, went back to his kennel. (laughs) Like, he got his stick, found a polka dot hanky, put his dog bowl in there, and started heading out the road looking for another farm, another farmer. I tell you, it was that bad. Like I said, if it had happened before Christmas, they would have ruined Christmas for me because it was that bad. 
in keeping sheep and lambs and in learning about them, I have a much bigger appreciation of why Jesus calls us his sheep. It is not flattering. (laughs) Quite simply, and this is the point of the whole series, we forget that in following his ways, it is the best way for us. Okay, let me just repeat that. His is the best way for us. We think we know better and we resist his directions, but it's simple for us. Listen and obey. So today, finances. And the question is, are we like sheep who resist the great shepherd and his advice for us in how we live? For quite a while now, I've been a fan of the American financial advisor called Dave Ramsey. Is any Dave Ramsey breeders? Wow. Few of you? Yeah, it's, get in it. It's, it's really good stuff. I'm not talking about Gordon Ramsey, okay? It's a big difference in the language, okay, and a whole pile of stuff. Dave Ramsey has written and vlogged and spoken extensively on the debt crisis that the American USA finds themselves in. He's also a follower of Jesus, and he is well worth listening to for good, honest financial advice. I mention him because he has sharpened my thinking around finances, and some of what I'm reflecting, uh, I need to give tribute to him. He, gives, he comes with good advice and common sense. Australians, too, need to listen to his advice and think through how we handle debt. Why? I did a little bit of exploring in the last couple of weeks, because it, and, and I found that each Aussie has an average debt. So this is, this is each Aussie, okay? Has an average debt. This is not including home loans of just a little bit over $20,000. Personal debt. This includes all money owing through in, you know, instruments like credit cards, personal loans, and retail investment plans. A year ago, 12 months ago, the same survey found that we had a debt of just over a little of just a little over eighteen thousand dollars. So a bit more than eleven percent increase in twelve months in our debt. That that really should cause us to, to pull back. So within the twenty thousand dollars, nearly two thousand was credit cards, nearly seven thousand. Uh, sorry, 20, uh, 2,000 was credit cards, uh, 7,000 personal loans, and just over 11,000 on car loans. Now, if we add then our debt with our home loan, we have an average debt of just over 600,000 on our home loans. In terms of the developed world, this, this is where it gets really interesting. In terms of the developed world, uh, ranking all the... Um, Uh, Countries similar to us, we rank third, not bottom third, top third of how much debt we carry. And America, you'd think, well, they would be number one. Actually, they're number 18. I think we have some work to do as a nation. And there's several key areas that I think we need to look at as we look really closely. And... 
There are three practical things that I want to suggest to you today that have a God edge to them, or in churchy language, three aspects of life which we can bring a theological view to. What does God think about this, and how do we act and respond as people of faith? So three points, as per usual for me. The first then relates to what I just talked about, and I will put it in this title under this language, Spending Less Than You Earn. Or in the old language, keeping a budget. Now, I know it's a bit of a killjoy to talk about that. Um, probably just about as boring as going to mass class. Just did that for the teachers there. But Jesus actually talks about this in a roundabout way. And so Luke 14 speaks into this. Let me read it to you. Luke 14, verse 28. Suppose one of you builds a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it. For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, the person began to build and wasn't able to finish. To me, it sounds a lot like Jesus is saying, figure out what you've got and work out what you need and see if you have enough. It sounds a lot like living within your means, if you ask me, It sounds a lot like the beginning of a budget. The thing is, we've forgotten that if we take out more out of the well than goes into the well, sooner or later we'll end up thirsty. It's a spiritual discipline to live within our means. And my last point, we'll elaborate on this more, But this is to say that we must discipline ourselves as followers of Jesus to live within our income. This is a social problem that we have that the children of God must not emulate. The fact that we have such huge average debt means that we are failing to live within our means. Now, what this simply means is that we have to restrain ourselves from thinking that we live in a time of unlimited resources. And to some extent, many of our social and environmental issues are that we don't live within our means. We cannot seem to be able to discipline ourselves to do this. Yet the Bible speaks again into this. Hebrews 12, 11 tells us the truth behind a disciplined life. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Of course, who wants to live within your means? But painful. Later on, the Bible says, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. This is as true spiritually as it is financially. Discipline in all aspects of our life and specifically as I'm talking about finances, are our friend. So this this has a very practical outcome for us, doesn't it? It means that if we live on less than we earn, we develop margin in our life. And margin is our friend. Let me give you an example. Three days before Christmas, of course my timing is impeccable, I got that telltale feeling in the gearbox of my ute going up a hill. Some of you would have felt that before in a manual vehicle. It's the feeling of your clutch 
slipping and thousands of dollars about to be drained out of your bank account. But because I built margin in our finances, because Susie and I have disciplined ourselves not to acquire everything that we want, next week when it's finally fixed and I can finish driving my daughter's car around all the time, I'll actually be able to pay for it. It will hurt and I haven't got it all together, that's for sure, but I strive to live within my means. So my friends, if this is a problem for you, many of you it's not, but for some of us it is, do yourself a favour. Look up Dave Ramsey and let his advice speak to you. Secondly, the second thing that I want to say is living with less. And while my first point is social and practical, this one is more theological. This is more spiritual. This one has to do with a very nasty word entitled greed. Because greed is the root cause of much of our problem. If, if, we are, if we are honest, it's greed. It's, it's that dirty, ugly word that, that, that we don't like to hear, that, that doing word. And one definition I found online said, greed is an intense and selfish desire or for something, especially wealth, power or food. An example that was underneath that definition is, is quite telling. It says this, it said, greed, example of mercenaries who had allowed greed to overtake their principles. I thought that was very interesting using that turn of phrase. So when it comes to finances, to our money, greed, of course, is a huge factor. Now, now I'm not, not going to hound you on this. Um, preacher always points back to himself. It's, I'm not here to make us feel guilty what I want to do is point out the reason why we actually need some assembly left, uh, some assembly in this part of our life. For, for there is not many of us that can escape this which afflicts Western civilization. Most of us fall for its lies and deceptions. And, and I've found it's very subtle. Like an email that just says, hey, we're on sale at this moment. You need it. Like, like a new version of your old one. And I've said it before, you know, nothing ages your car like your neighbour's new one, does it? Really. When we think about the glass is either half empty or half full, greed says, fill it right up. But living with less, in a theological sense, says, maybe you need a smaller glass. Living with less is incredibly countercultural. It says, I don't have to have everything. I don't, I don't need the view, new version. Uh, old one is actually okay. I, I don't need 30 T-shirts in my drawer. Guilty as charged. I'll tell you the truth. I, I don't find it easy to live with less. And maybe the point for us all to take home today is when it comes to some assembly required in this area of finances... Are there steps we need to take that are practical but yet have a spiritual dimension that help us live with less? 
I have a really good friend who's become Uniting Church Minister, and he and his wife did a year without buying any new clothes in an attempt to live with less. It's a challenge, but that's living with less, isn't it? Maybe there's an area of your life that you can live with less to counteract greed and assemble a bit more of your life. Lastly, the answer to greed is another countercultural action. It's generosity. And as much as greed in us needs disassembly, generosity in us needs assembly. And my suspicion is, is if we swapped out greed for generosity, then our society, ourselves included, would be a much whole lot happier. And in, I reckon in a sense of irony, we'd be heaps better off. Now, I have no problems with us all earning money, saving money and building wealth. In fact, I think we should do that. I think it's, it's good to do that. I think we should be able to provide for ourselves, our loved ones. It's, it's smart, it's responsible, it's wise. And, and, and according to Jesus, you know, money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. And, and one way to overcoming loving money is to give a portion of it away. You've heard me say this before, but giving some away gives you power over it. The truth of the matter is that living a generous life does not start when you feel like you've got enough. It starts today. Remember Jesus' words in Luke 16 verse 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Suffice to say, generosity starts right at this moment. In fact, the Bible calls us as God's people to be generous from the get-go, to not wait, but to be generous first towards God as a response to his goodness for us and to show our love, but also generous to those around us who are less fortunate. It is very hard to read the Bible and not bump into that fact over and over again. Generosity turns your eyes off yourself and onto others. That's how it disables greed. That's how it conquers desire. That's how it defeats narcissism, which is very prevalent amongst us. Generosity is good for you. Okay, so I've said enough. So what I'm going to do is get you to do some work. Okay, so what I'd like you to do is to turn to the person next to you and talk not about the weather... Not about the retirement of David Warner, okay, as good as he is. Um, And have a conversation with the person next to you for a couple of moments. We've still got a couple of minutes to go about what I've said and what you would have added to what I have said. You're looking at me so blank. So turn to the person next to you, okay, about what I've said and what you would have added to what I have said. If you are online, then... Uh, turn to the person next to you with you, if you're with somebody or if you're not, get a notebook out, get a pen and write a few things down. Okay, I'll give you a couple of minutes and then I'll bring us back together, okay? Okay, so I'm not going to ask for your feedback. Um, continue that conversation in a moment. I want to finish with Psalm 24. The reason 
I had the psalm read out at the start of the service was for verse 1, although the whole psalm is magnificent. Verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And this is the truth of the matter, isn't it? If we are able to take this to heart, including our finances, that everything belongs to the Lord, we would see the resources that we have at our disposal in a very different light. Let me pray and we'll continue with worship. We thank you, Lord, for, your blessing, for blessing us with so many things. We, we are the most privileged generation. We have so many resources at our disposal. And we pray that we would not allow our greed to take over, that we would not gather more, take more, but that we'd be generous in our hearts, that, that we'd do with less, and we'd be countercultural, and we'd put aside the temple things in order to focus on what really matters, that you own everything every way, and the fullness of the world therein. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Seeds Church podcast. We hope you join in with us next week. For more information, you can visit our website at seedschurch.org.